Hello fellow cinephiles, my name's Ben, and this is The Real Movies Podcast. So, uh, it's just me and Dan this week. It's true. Me and Cool Guy Dan, statement of facts. Yep. Uh, Talking about a bunch of stuff I don't know about. (laughs) Talking about the one subject that Dan always likes to derail. For uh, the amount of movies I watch in a year, I know very little about them. Oh, come on. Give yourself more credit than that. Yeah. Like, I just came in. Movie news, at least. Yeah. And I came in, I came in tonight and you're sitting there watching Brooklyn. You're a year, exactly. You're, you're a year late on that hype train, but you're starting to catch up with me on the amount of movies you watched this it's year. It's true. It's been a good week for me. Yeah. But, uh, well, Brooklyn is my 40th, so we're only, we're only about 20 minutes in. I, I'm at 47, and I think my most recent one was, uh, Resident Evil Extinction. Interesting choice. Uh, because the, the new video game came out this week, uh, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. It's true. Um, and that it wasn't originally on my radar. I've never really been into Resident Evil at all. Uh, but I had a friend of mine who was like, oh, I rented my buddy, or I borrowed my buddy's uh, PlayStation VR, and I'm getting the game for PlayStation, and I'm going to stream some of it. So he was all over Twitch, and he was sharing it with myself and some, some of our other mutual friends. Interesting. And it looked awesome. And he kept talking about how great it was and how scary it was, and I love scary things. And so... Um, I bought it for Xbox, and I've been having a great time playing the game. Um, and that prompted me to look into watching a couple of the movies. So, nice. Uh, Resident Evil Extinction is on Netflix, and the one I watched before that, my 46th, was Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is, I think, the second one. So, what is it, like five now? Going it's about to be, to be six. Going to be six. Um, so yeah, I think. The second one is Apocalypse, and that one's on Crackle is where I watched that. And then um, the third one, uh, Extinction, is on Netflix. And then uh, four is Afterlife, I guess. Yeah. And then I think five is Retribution, and then the last one is the final chapter. I've seen the first one. That's about it. And that was a number of years ago mm-hmm. at this point. Um. So, yeah, and I think uh, if you ordered – I think if you buy the game through Xbox digitally – between now and I guess like the f- end, the end of the first week of February, I think they send you a free code for the most recent movie, not like the one that's in theaters, but yeah, um, the last, like the fifth one or whatever, um, like a digital version for you to for you to download and have. It's the new thing. Yeah. Um, and I got to be honest, I was kind of surprised uh, how much I did not hate either of the two movies I watched. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always I kind of never really watched them just because like that and underworld and some of these ones that yeah objectively i would somebody like me would probably be into but it's just never piqued my interest and i've got a huge crush on kate beckinsale but it just doesn't (laughs) underworld just doesn't do it for me but resident evil was actually the two that i watched were actually pretty good um and i think it probably helps that from what i've heard at least you know online that i think those that two and three are generally the favorites yeah people that I feel like these kind of movies usually as the sequels are better because it gets people a chance. Well, one, obviously they're making sequels, so the first one does well, Mm -hmm. which means they get more money to make the second one. Right. But then they're able to like, like video game movies specifically, 
like if they do do Assassin's Creed 2, mm. um, hopefully they'll listen to what everyone had problems with it and stuff. And yeah. Video game movies tend to fix it more than other movies. Mm-hmm. Just like Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> the video game. <laughs> that would be a great video game. Uh, well, would it? <laughs> Probably uh, not. <laughs> uh, but I hope Uncharted learns that mistake. Or at least learns that lesson. Um, and turns out to be really, really good. So Yeah. Um, yeah, only time will tell with that one. I guess that's due out next year or I think they have a date set for either next year or 2019. That is the thing with these like movies based on cinematic games. Yeah. Like you think they couldn't mess them up because the video games pretty much already are movies Mm -hmm. that you just interact with more. Yep. So you think it'd be pretty simple, but like Halo, Assassin's Creed, um, they've been trying for years to get a Halo movie off the ground. I think they, uh, they kind of did like they've done animated a few, stuff, and I think they did one, one live, live action, action yeah. like mini series or something. But it wasn't like it was only online. Yeah, it was, it was supposed only part to be a the, wide release, cinematic. Um, but yeah, just like test audiences hated every aspect yeah. of it, so they split it into episodes and released it online or mm-hmm. something. Like Peter Jackson or somebody was getting ready. To, I think that was what he was supposed to be doing after the after he finished Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Was he was supposed to be doing a movie with Steven Spielberg. And then I think that turned into The Adventures of Tintin, of yep. all things. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so who knows? I don't know what, what or if ever we'll see a feature-length Halo movie uh, in wide release. Um but yeah, like that's been in discussion for a long time. Bioshock has been tossed around. Mass Effect has been tossed around. True. And the, and like, I would understand a Halo movie more than I would Bioshock or, uh, Mass Effect just because, and I'm sad Patrick's not here to talk about this, but, um, these, these are like kind of are what they call RPG or role playing based yeah. games. And there's a lot of different, uh, options and context that you can lend to the narrative through your own input um mass effect in particular a lot of the a lot of that game is shaped on the choices you make um bioshock not so much but it's i I mean i could see bioshock's a little bit more linear but um mass effect i don't think anybody could because the because the individual experience of the player is so different from like if i played it versus if you played it yeah um we would have two completely different gameplay experiences. I, and we would follow a general overarching narrative, but like the, the character arcs maybe have subtle differences, which a lot of, a lot of the fans of that series, um, really take pride in being able to shape and whatever. So yeah, it'd be like trying to make a fable movie. Yeah, exactly. To not have that kind of narrative control. Yeah. Ma- that, and that's why I always say is the inherent problem of video game movies is it turns an active narrative into a passive one. That is one of the things that Warcraft did seem to do well, mm-hmm. um, which Warcraft that the movie was based on, you don't have as much RPG control over, um, but it shared both sides of human and orc mm. to where, really, depending on what side you were on, you could decide which one were the good guys and the bad guys. That's you know? true. That's true. Um, Until the, about the end, and then it's pretty obvious which, <laughs> not all, but which person. Mm-hmm thing was the bad guy yeah um i need to watch that movie again um because i remember thinking that it wasn't as awful as all the critics said it was but it was warcraft so it was just kind of it's silly but um i remember it being you know okay 
Um, speaking of okay, just okay, La La Land is somehow nominated for 14 Academy Awards. you believe that? I have yet to see it. I'm hopefully seeing it tomorrow night. Um, it's, but yeah, it's based on people around me. Yeah. Does not seem to be a great movie. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I, you discussed I, it in I, I think last, last week, week I yeah. did talk about it. Um, so I won't really get much into it anymore, but like 14 Oscar nominations is the most tie. So there are three movies that have reached and that's the peak. Like nobody has ever gotten to 15 Oscar. Yeah. So 14 is the most that any movies ever had. And there are, there are now three movies of all time that have had that all about Eve, Titanic, and now La La Land. All terrible. Um, and if you go to uh, the realmoviesblog.wordpress.com, I did a uh, I, wrote, I wrote an article this week about you know just my general thoughts on you know on the on the nominations, and it was just I was a little bit heated. Um, there were a lot of snubs and surprises that really disappointed me. Um, so there were a couple that I thought were okay. Like I'm really happy that Michael Shannon. Was included, uh, in the best supporting actor field for Nocturnal Animals. I thought he was phenomenal in that movie. Um, and Viggo Mortensen is, um, up for best actor in, uh, uh for Captain Fantastic, which, um, is another well deserved placement. But, um, yeah, I just, <laughs> La La Land for me, realistically, it's nominated for all of the major categories and most of the technical stuff. And, yeah. um, I think realistically, just because some of the other nominees in these categories aren't, maybe aren't quite as good, I could see it winning best film editing, and I could see it winning, uh, best score and best original song. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it will take more than that. Unfortunately, it will take more than that. Um, I don't think it's a, like, a necessarily a bad movie, but it's not what the hype would have you believe it is. Yeah. Like if you look at critics and some, even some people uh, out there, um, some online hate it, some really, really love it. And um, so it's just proven to be kind of divisive as long as you look into it. Um, and I don't know, maybe Dan, you'll see it and, you know, for the first time you'll be like, this is total crap. Cause I know a couple of people that saw it one time and were like, that was awful. Yeah. Um, the first time I saw it, I thought it was terrific. And the second time I saw it, I also thought it was terrific. And then I saw it a third time with friends who hated it. And so we had a discussion that kind of started to remove the rose tinted glasses for me. And then I saw it again with my parents because the first two times I saw it for work. And, um, and after I saw it with my parents, it was, I was like, okay, you know, I always, the part where she sings the song for her, you'll, you'll see it, but there's a part where she sings a song for an audition that she goes to. Yeah. And it's been in the trailers. Um, and that part gets me every time. I cry. I think I cried every single time I saw the movie um, during that scene. And uh, but the rest of it just is kind of. Is it someone in the crowd? Uh, no, the one I'm talking about. Uh, literally, the song is called "Audition," and it's up for best. Title. It's up for best original song uh, w- with the Oscars. I think it's nominated twice for best original song. That one, and uh, I think "City of Stars." And City of Stars is actually, it, it, that's also a really good song. Um, but it just made me think like if Sing Street had been nominated, uh, specifically for Drive It Like You Stole It. Yeah. Um, that objectively is a better song than I think. I mean, it's got Any more other? like, 
But yeah, and it, it's got more like a pep and kind of like, you know, uh, general appeal, I think. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. I think, uh, Justin Timberlake is nominated for the song from Trolls. That's been all over the radio for the last year. That would make sense. Um, so by saying, you know, drive it like you stole it from Sing Street has kind of more general pop feel. It would, you know, you'd think that maybe Justin Timberlake would win, but I think it'll be City of Stars. Um, but, uh, Johan Johansson, who did the score for Arrival, was snubbed completely from Best Original Score. Um, which is really sad because I think that was probably, I think he would have won if he were included. It's interesting that some categories have like a ton of people. Like sound yeah. mixing has easily three times as many as any of these other ones. Well, those, those technical ones too, you know, it's, they nominate it by movie and then it goes to a team of, you know, eight people or whatever. Um, so you nominate five movies in a, in for like best sound mixing. 30 people would end up getting, you know, a, it yeah. would even out that that many people would get an award. Um, well, yeah, what else pissed me off about these uh, these nominations? Uh, Jackie and Silence were both uh, left out of the Best Picture race. Um, I think that is a, a utter travesty. Uh, I believe uh, firmly that Jackie and Silence are both masterpieces and will be remembered for years to come, unlike at least half of the nominees for uh, Best Picture this year. Um, the one, the the ones that we have for Best Picture are La La Land, Arrival, Lion, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, Moonlight, Hacksaw Ridge, Manchester by the Sea, and Fences. Uh, All right, my streak continues. <laughs> yeah, so um, how many yeah. is that, nine? Literally have not seen a single one of those movies. Oh, damn. You need to get on that, man. I just, I don't like, uh, Oscar winners. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I was going through, uh, I've got this device that lets you watch movies mm. and, uh, you can sort them by all different things. One of them is best picture winners. And I was going through the list because it has like literally all of them on it. I might have seen like five of them. Really? Yep. Oh man, you need to do, you need to work on that. Yeah, um, I'm going to see a lot of land then. It can't win. <laughs> I gotta see uh, that right now. You gotta watch Spotlight too from last year. That was a great movie. Yeah. I wanted to see Hacksaw Ridge. It just never happened. Yeah. Um, I'm a little, I think, I think La La Land is good, but overrated. I think Moonlight is good, but overrated. Um, I think Hell or High Water just is just plain overrated. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hacksaw Ridge, eh, it's good, but I don't think it's best picture material. Fences, uh, I could see why it would be nominated for Best Picture. I don't know if it, I mean, it's kind of Best Picture material, but. I don't that, even know what it's about, to be honest. But it's based on a play. It's got Denzel Washington and yeah. Viola Davis, and, and it definitely feels like a play. There's nothing really particularly cinematic about it, um, which is the reason why I don't think it necessarily needs to be up for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm saying, like, that's what Hell or High Water, La La Land. I think either La La Land or Moonlight is going to win. Best picture. I think Manchester by the Sea is the best movie out of all these nominees. Um, I was surprised but happy to see Hidden Figures in there. Um, and that's and I, for me that kind of seems like it's this year's Martian. Just the mo- the movie that's good and a lot of people went to see about space, but maybe ne- yeah, but maybe necessarily wouldn't be considered for you yeah. know that's the best cinematic thing ever. Um, so. 
I don't know. Um, Lion, I thought was really good. Um, but yeah, Hell or High Water can get out of there. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, I could take or leave. Fences, I could take or leave. Um, and I would replace those with Silence and Jackie. Um, but a lot of people say, you know, especially in my position, apparently, like, oh, if it's not nominated for an Oscar, that means it's actually good. A lot of people don't believe in the credibility of the Academy Awards anymore. Um, which, I'm on their team. Which, yeah, which after this year, if you look at these nominees, it's objectively, the, a lot of these categories are just extremely poorly chosen. Did um, Deadpool get anything? No, unfortunately it did not. Talking about all the, you know, the, the DGA and PGA and WGA hype that it got and the Golden Globes hype that it got, I would have uh, expected it to maybe worm its way in somehow. Yeah. I was thinking at least best actor, but then they're probably thinking like, well, he wears a mask the whole time, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, um, but just for the sheer level of commitment, just, I yeah. mean, even in real life, it's unbelievable. And, um, yeah, I would have nominated him for best actor. Um, I think if Vigo, if they didn't go with Vigo Mortensen, it was probably going to be, yeah, uh, dead, uh, Ryan Reynolds. So, I mean, I'm happy Vigo's in there because Captain Fantastic is great, but, um, Ryan Reynolds would have been, would have been great to see. I think that's wishful thinking. Oh, this other one though, but Andrew Garfield was nominated, was also nominated for best actor for Hacksaw Ridge. He gives an objectively better performance in silence. Yeah. You watch that movie, you watch both movies and you tell me that Andrew Garfield is not better in silence. And I would slap you. If I just you, think if you the said Academy Hacksaw Awards, um, aren't a big fan of, uh, Martin. Well, I just think they maybe aren't interested in like the movies about basically forcing Catholics to apostatize and like, you know, yeah. torturing and killing people. And I think Makes it was, I, and it was like a three hour movie. So I think it was daunting for a lot, a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, I think there is probably a lot of pressure from them to, uh, come off PC. Too. Yes. There's that. Unfortunately, you know, there's that. I, I mean, I'm all for diversity and clearly, I mean, this year we actually have some outstanding, uh, work from a you know a lot of really great people um like uh, moonlight fences um lion even uh hidden figures it's really it's really great to have all this inclusion and and ha and the films are actually really worthy you know yeah um like the other year when everybody was crying about hashtag oscar so white it's because the movies uh, weren't yeah. that good you know like yeah. you know uh just because, you know, they made a movie about NWA doesn't mean it necessarily, it automatically needs to be made, you know, best picture or, you know, Will yeah. Smith, Will Smith goes and gives a good, a decent performance in concussion. I mean, it was decent. It wasn't the best performance of the year. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. um, so, but now, you know, Moonlight was really good. Um, like I said, when I went to see it, I thought it was really overhyped. Um, but it is a very well-made, well-directed, beautifully shot and beautifully acted, uh, movie. And I really do need to give it a second chance. Um, I've been looking, uh, I want to go back and see it before the Oscars. Hopefully I get the chance to do that. Um, Casey Affleck though, I think is probably going to win best actor unless the, um, sexual harassment thing comes back to haunt him. Have you heard about this? Yeah, a little bit. Um, hopefully, I don't know. <sighs> I just, I always, for me, I'm always able to separate the art from the artist. Like the whole thing with Nate Parker and Birth of a Nation. Um, I thought Birth of yeah. a Nation was tremendous. Um, and it's unfortunate that he 
uh, kind of chose to go about conducting himself the way he did. And then Fox completely sinking the movie. Um, so, but I don't know. It, it would blow my mind if something like, you know, something didn't happen every day yeah. in Hollywood with people screwing with each other, you know? Um, and from what I, from what I've heard about the alleged incident with him, it was like, you know, it wasn't even really, like, he didn't really do anything. I think he just said something once that was like, uh, you know, just a passing kind of remark. And of course, um, you know, maybe if I were in the woman's shoes, I would feel that was inappropriate. I'm sure I would feel that was inappropriate and, you know, he shouldn't have done that, but, um, I don't think it would, it would or should ruin anybody's chances specific especially if it was minor like i mean if it were nate parker and you'd been like arrested for raping somebody then that would that would be a completely different story but he didn't but casey affleck didn't do anything um and even if he did it was just kind of a minor passing thing that he didn't mean and if you know somebody took offense i mean i don't know i hate to sound insensitive um but again i think it's his race to lose um what else do we have a good roundup for the best actress race. Emma Stone, Isabel Huppert for Elle, Ruth Nega for Loving, Meryl Streep, Florence Foster Jenkins, Natalie Portman for Jackie. Um, I love Natalie Portman. Um, but, and I wish, and I hope she wins. The only one that I think could get her would be Emma Stone. Um, just because everybody's got the high hat for La La Land right now. Uh, and then best director, I feel like Damien Chazelle is going to get it. I wish that wasn't the case because it's not the best directed movie of the nominees even. Uh, literally, I think all of these other movies are better directed than La La Land. Uh, Mel Gibson yeah. for Hacksaw Ridge, who I, I doubt they will ever give it to him. Um, Denny Villeneuve for Arrival, Kenneth Lonergan, Lamb Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. All of those are better directors and better directed films. Then La La Land. Um, best supporting actress, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Michelle Williams for, uh, what was that movie? <laughs> God, Manchester by the Sea, Viola <laughs> Davis for Fences, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Nicole Kidman for Lion. Um, I mean, all stellar work. I mean, this is, this is a totally, this might be the most stacked category of the, uh, at least of the actors. Um, but again, I mean, Viola Davis has been cleaning up, so um, I think it's going to be her race to lose. And then we start getting into the foreign language film. I, uh, last year, I think I saw all the foreign language film nominees, maybe all except one. Uh, this year, I haven't seen any. I was good, and I was surprised that L wasn't included in that. Paul Verhoeven, uh, the director of the original RoboCop, did a movie, uh, kind of a rape revenge movie about uh, it, it was in French, and that was that's the movie that Isabel Huppert hmm. is up for Best Actress for. Um, but so these nominees for best foreign. It language, is always weird when like best actor actress is from a movie that didn't get nominated for best picture. She mm-hmm. would think the two in, would go hand in hand. Yeah, but they're just kind of like, you did a really good job. The movie was just terrible. <laughs> uh, was somebody talking to me about this movie Tana. I don't remember. Uh, I feel like I mean, somebody said something. Um, but that's up for best foreign language. Tony Erdman, which I heard is unbelievable. A Man Called Ove, I also heard was really good. And then Land of Mine. Uh, and The Salesman, also. Um, 
So my pick for that would be Tony Erdman, but who knows. Um, and then Best Supporting Actor, like I said, with Michael Shannon. Um, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water. Dev Patel for Lion. That's kind of a curious pick because he's really the lead of that movie. Um, and then Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea. He plays the younger kid. Uh, I would love to see Michael Shannon win this because... I think it's my favorite Michael Shannon performance, and he's just tremendous in everything he does. Um, but Ali has been picking up everything. Um, so, yeah, I think Mahershala Ali from Moonlight takes that one. Um, and Finding Dory, this is another uh, storyline that I wrote about. Uh, Pixar is left out of the best animated feature race. It's the first. Um, they have Disney, Disney Animation did two movies last year, not Pixar. Disney Animation did Moana and Zootopia. And one of those two, I'm sure, will win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Unfortunately. Why do you say that? I just feel like uh, Kubo and Red Turtle. Did you see the Red Turtle? Yeah, it's fantastic. Is it? It's a trip, Um, if you will. I've heard uh, heard it's good. Yeah, I mean, I I understand. I'm kind of surprised Red Turtle is even listed here. Really? Um I understand why it won't win, but I liked it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're looking at story and stuff, mm. not effort. But I, know, I just feel like either of those two films had more effort behind it. Did you see Kubo and the Two String? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Uh, my only problem with it is he has three strings for the majority oh, yeah. of the movie. He does have three strings. Spoiler alert, he does for the most of the movie. But uh, yeah, I like the... I like twists. Yeah. Had a better twist than Split did. Did you watch Split? Yes, I did. So. Well, I don't get what the twist was. You don't get what the twist was? Yeah. Oh, I get what the twist was. Was it that she was abused? No. That it was in a zoo? No. That unbreakable after the movie was over? It's not a twist. Spoilers if you've not seen Split. Spoilers if you have not seen M. Night Shyamalan Split. Um, I'm going to explain to Dan right now what the twist of that movie split is. No, I get that same world, same universe, but that's okay. not a twist. That's okay. a teaser. Listen, it's a twist and you, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the entire time you're watching this movie and you think you're watching just a solid, like, you know, it, it's a very good, like kind of horror thriller in its own yeah. right. The twist, the twist is. That it wasn't just a horror movie. It was a super villain origin story. Yeah. That was not, that's not clear at all until you see David Dunn sitting there yeah. talking about Samuel L. Jackson as Mr. Glass, who was the villain in Unbreakable. Yeah. And so that leads us to say, oh, holy shit. You know, James McAvoy's, this is the genesis of a super villain. And, I mean, that's know, like, that's like saying. He's going to end up being like, and they're going to fight each other at some point. That's like saying all of the first Captain America is a twist for the Avengers. Is it? Cause, I mean, yeah. That's, or no. even the first Iron Man. No, you know? it's not technically the same. Is because you know you're watching a superhero movie. Yes, I don't know. That's and just, you know it's that not, a superhero thing's coming. It's not the twist coming. that uh, M. Knight's used to, in my opinion. I honestly, I mean, I, right. like, I like the idea. I'm excited for the future. Of it. Apparently, but, uh, it's the next one he's working on. Is he said? Um, really? I thought he was supposed to be working on some like rom- r- uh, romantic drama, 
or something, at least according to his IMDb page. Um, but he has said, I think, I saw a couple of articles that said, like, his next movie is going to be whatever the continuation of that is. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just... I want to see it again, and I think you need to see it again, too. Uh, I haven't, I've only seen it once, but I just, <laughs> like, this, so I, everybody's waiting for the twist, and, you know, me, I'm, I love, you know, yeah, when, at least when it's, when it's good and it makes sense, and I don't, and maybe, and I think it went over a lot of people's heads and, um, probably ruined the movie oh, for I mean, a couple yeah, of people. Most people picked up M. Night starting with Six Cents, so they missed Unbreakable right, altogether. Right. Plus, that's, what, 10 years ago, if not more? Yeah. So I, uh, so I saw this on a, I tried to go on a Thursday night and the screening I was going to go to was sold out. Um, and I ended up going to see Triple X instead, which was pretty fun, all things considered. Um, so the next night I went to go see, um, Split and, what seat did I pick, Dan? G6. I don't know. Wasn't it? No. Yeah, I know you weren't with me, but G6 was like, it was like, I went by myself and there was one seat in this row and it was perfect. Nice. Um, so I was, but I was smushed up against these other people, but it was funny because there were these two, uh, young people about my age sitting next to me, um, guy and a girl, and then, the rest of the row, like the next five seats over, were all like this group of friends that yeah. uh, came together to see it. And so the movie ends, and you're like, okay, so what was the twist there? And that, that's what I was doing was like, you know, the last yeah. shot. The last shot is pretty good with James McAvoy, and then it just goes split. And so it's like, oh, okay. I mean, that was good, but I was, you know, I was looking for maybe something a little crazier. And um, then it goes to that scene in the diner, and. After you, you know, as soon as the camera comes around and the woman starts, you know, in that kind of hammy way, she's like, oh, uh, what was this reminds me of that guy in the wheelchair a few years ago. What was his name? Yeah. Glass. And I was like, no. And then I saw Bruce Willis's face and I went, <laughs> F you. Like I said it out loud. Yeah. I didn't scream, scream, but like, you know, other people in the theater were like, oh, I could hear some people reacting positively to it. And, but like, I screamed, you and these, two people next to me like this girl just turns and looks at me like what and like her boyfriend is like what are you doing man and then so that's and then it like basically drops out after that yeah. and the credits start rolling and i turned to them and i was like oh my god do you know what that is like and they're like no I, what the fuck is that no i'm like that's unbreakable you know it's, it's samuel L. jackson and that was bruce willis and he's the superhero and they're gonna fight and you need to go home and watch i was like you guys need to go home and watch unbreakable right yeah. now and um Literally, I think I did that. I did go home and watch Unbreakable on HBO. Um, that's such a good movie. It is Unbreakable a good one. is a great movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. My opinion, that's not a twist. That's a uh, all right. Okay, I'll I'll give the twist being that it's the same world, but my opinion, twist has to happen during the movie. At that okay. point, the movie was officially over mm. by the title screen. Um, so I consider that more of a teaser. Okay. For me, for me, the, it's a twist because it changes my entire perception of the whole narrative. Yeah. Um, it's a good argument. And so. Yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah, cause when, uh, I mean, yeah, major spoilers, the end part with the girl, you know. I feel yeah. like we didn't give every uh, listeners fair warning on the spoilers on this. It's true. Um, but yeah, especially cause it just came out like a yeah. week ago. Um, yeah, I thought that was going to be the twist at first. I was like, that's kind of lame. She kind of knew yeah. that the entire movie. Um, although I did like how, 
I like the comparison of the one girl versus the other two, where like they had one layer versus her like six, mm. you know. Um, but I was like, that's not really a twist. But in yeah. the end, neither was the happening. Mm. So, you know, yeah, falling on old times, and it, like it reveals that it's a zoo. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that the twist? Because yeah, <laughs> that doesn't really change the story at all, other than right his animalisticness. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I still thought it was a fantastic movie. Oh, I love, I love it. world builders. Yeah. So. Um, and apparently, I don't know if you saw the same thing I did, but apparently he originally had most of this movie in the Unbreakable script. Oh, really? So when he wrote Unbreakable, I think he started in 1999, and the movie didn't come out yeah. till like 2001. Um, but he said he originally had like 20 pages of Kevin. Yeah, um, I, mean, I read that he said the character had been with him for a while. Yeah. And, uh, apparently, like, that was the whole idea was he was gonna set him up in Unbreakable and then eventually make, like, a trilogy. Yeah. Um, and I literally, I guess that's still the case. And he said that most of the material, most if not all of the material he originally conceived way back when, when he was doing Unbreakable, made it into Split. Hmm. Um, which is really interesting. And, um, so I, th- I think, uh, wherever he goes next is gonna be really exciting. Um, true. especially if it ends up being a, you know, a Batman Robin team up between Bruce Willis and the main girl, uh, which I could definitely see. Um, or I could just <laughs> see her kind of, you know, I just, uh, <laughs> I did, I had one problem with the movie, which mm-hmm. you, know, you give it, you're in a situation, you're scared and stuff. But, uh, when he had his face up against the bars, I was like, just shoot him now. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. it wasn't going to do anything to him. I think, did but, she run out of shells at that point? She, she still had out. one. Oh, she did? Um, yeah, she shoots him after that when he, like, gets it open. Oh, I thought she shot him before. I thought she did shoot him before he got to the She, she shot him as he's running. Because um, he had he the chunk taken out of, his second, so- yeah. out of his belly, and then he had some in his shoulder. Yeah. And then, and then he gets, yeah. Okay. I don't know, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, I think she shoots him one more time after that. I don't know. I feel like I remember her being out of shells, but, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, she's still, I mean, I guess she could still be holding the gun mm. at that point, but yeah, I feel like she, I don't know, unless remembering incorrectly, the whole time his face was like right there, I was like, this is when you shoot him. Right. Like, it's not going to do anything. This um, is when you do it. And I did think that the whole, uh, and I didn't research this yet, but um, I did kind of think the whole genesis with his, uh, like, the beast was yeah. a little far-fetched. But that's, but that's why I'm, that's what I'm saying. It makes sense yeah. when you put it into the unbreakable narrative is because when you start it's thinking true. about it as a super villain and, you know, then it's like, okay, it makes sense that these kind of cheesy mutations would exist. Yeah. Um, so then you kind of forgive that. I mean, maybe that's, I hesitate to call yeah. it lazy filmmaking on M. Night's part because honestly, that's brilliant. But, um, I don't know. Uh, it's that's why I, yeah. I think it's a twist that really works. I also don't know why twenty three when you only see like six or so. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, I guess it's dramatic effect, you know, and like, oh wow, it's that intense. Right. He's got twenty three individuals, so he must be able to convince himself to do different stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, could have yeah. taken it down to just the ones we saw, you know, cause that's the <laughs> right. whole movie. She like starts listing off some of them. I'm like, well, I want to meet these people. Yeah. And then, well, you do in the, like when she kind starts of, watching yeah. like video files and stuff. Um, and apparently there was an, e- I missed this, but apparently there was a little Easter egg on his computer screen. 
Um, I think one of the icons on his desktop was said like doctor somebody or other, and it was apparently the doctor from signs. Huh. Uh, I think I read that somewhere. Um, but yeah, just, oh my God. I, like, since I saw it, it was, what well, this, uh, this had been last, uh, about a week ago now, um, from the recording of this podcast, it'll be about a week and a half. And I think the people that would have seen Split, hopefully have seen it, or at least have gone to see it. Yeah. Um, I like to that think that stopped. about people, and then, you know, it uh, turns out that a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, I actually <laughs> yelled at a friend of mine on Facebook because he made a status totally about it. He was like, Oh man, I can't, I gotta go back and watch Unbreakable. It was so crazy that Split was set in the Unbreakable universe. And I was like, delete this now. And this was like Monday or something, Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> and, um, I, I don't know. I hope by the time people hear this, it'll be the second weekend will have gone by and, uh, hopefully people will have gone out and seen it. But, um, yeah, uh, that's our spoiler discussion on Split. Um, definitely go see it. Uh, make sure you check in with us on Letterboxd. Let us know what you thought of the film. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Benny C. You can let me know your thoughts there. Uh, and buy your tickets using uh, Adam Tickets app. It's Dan's new favorite app. It's true. Um, I think. Do most places take it? I know Wilder does. Does Florence take In it? In this area, Wilder and um, the AMC. Levy takes it. Yeah, there's some more up in Ohio, but they're either AMC or Esquire Eagles. takes it. Um, does Esquire? Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. I haven't tried it, but I've seen... I mean, it kind of works like Fandango. I think pretty much everywhere that takes Fandango uses Adam as well. Um, um, Florence doesn't. Uh, yeah. You can look up times on there, but you can't buy tickets. Right. Um. Oh. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, I know we're running a little long here, but, um, uh, it was sad to hear this week that Mary Tyler Moore passed away, uh, from complications with diabetes at the age of 80. Um, you know, famous for obviously her own show, the Mary Tyler Moore show. And then, uh, she was the wife on Dick Van Dyke, on uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, she was the mom in Ordinary People. Uh, she, I think she won an Oscar for Ordinary People. Um, uh, but she had diabetes, type 1 diabetes her whole life. And, um, you know, as much as she kind of paved the way for, uh, women in, you know, film and television, she also not, not totally unlike Carrie Fisher with, you know, her mental health battles and all that. Um, she really, Mary Tyler Moore kind of did a lot to, um, for diabetes research and to kind of destigmatize it a little bit. Um, like with like what Carrie Fisher did with uh, um, all of her afflictions, um, so just really really sad to see to see her go. She lived a long full life, um, and she will be missed. So that's Mary Tyler Moore, and uh, I think that was thankfully the only person that we lost this week uh, from Hollywood, as far as I know. Um, I know we talked about Miguel Ferrer last week um, losing his battle sure. with cancer at the age of sixty one. Also very sad. Um, I talking about this year's Oscars, man, they're gonna have a heck of a time putting together the in memoriam this year. Um, it's tough. So uh, I hate to end on a sad note, but I think that's all I've got. <laughs> we didn't really get many trailers this this week. I guess Sundance just ended. That's happy. Um, a lot of big acquisitions. 
I think yeah. the, the biggest one that I heard about was um, Amazon, I think, paid $12 million for a movie called The Big Sick, which uh, was written by uh, Silicon Valley's, uh, the the HBO show Silicon Valley. There's a guy on there, I think his name's, I'm going to butcher this, but his name's Kumail Nanjani, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and his wife wrote basically an autobiographical uh, screenplay, and they both star in it together. And uh, apparently everybody loved it, and Amazon paid huge bucks for it. So it'll be on, uh, I'm sure it'll be on Prime and in theaters later this year. Um, another few I heard about, um, David Lowry did a ghost uh, film called A Ghost Story with Casey Affleck and uh, Rooney Mara that I heard was really good. Kind of like a slow-moving drama, not really a horror movie, but um, really, really great. Um, what was this other one everybody was talking about? Had Army Hammer. Uh, I'm looking it up. Everybody was saying that this is basically, it's called, it's Call Me By Your Name. Uh, was this other one that really kind of seemed interesting to me. Uh, everybody is gushing over this thing. I, I don't know. I don't think at the time of this recording, I don't think that Sundance has released the, uh, the winners yet, or at least they've, cause I think the award show is, from the time we're recording this, the award show will probably be in two days, and then uh, everything will be online after True. that. So, like the grand jury prize and the um, audience award, and a lot of the big um, the big prizes that come out for the competition at Sundance will be out uh, later this week. And um, I'm sure I'll share some thoughts uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, but this film, "Call Me by Your Name," um, stars Army Hammer, and apparently is like. Uh, Basically, people are calling it a queer masterpiece, uh, kind of in the vein of like Carol, uh, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, it's about uh, Army Hammer is probably what mid thirties, and I think the the movie is about kind of like a homosexual Lolita type thing. It's like a young, it's like a younger teenage boy falls in love with Army Hammer, and they kind of have like a sexual relationship over the course of a summer um seems pretty weird but everybody seems to absolutely love it hopefully it doesn't suffer from moonlight syndrome and everybody just says it's good because they feel they they feel like they have to say it's good um i feel like i've gone i've gone so so back and forth on moonlight um artistically i will say artistically moonlight is excellent narratively not so much um, yeah, I've never watched the trailer, but I've read the description of the movie several mm-hmm. times, and every single time I end with like, don't really know what this is about. Mm-hmm. Next. Um. So yeah, I think that's pretty much all I've got. Frankie just walked in though. Frankie's a, Frankie. This is we're running long on the real movies podcast. Do you have anything you want to add? Now's the time. This guy literally just walked in the door. Sing Street was robbed. Oh. Not even a nod? Not even Best a nod. Best original song? What's it, up with that? It would have mopped the floor with La La Land if it were nominated. They were like, I'm just saying. maybe if you made it in America. In the wise words of someone important, do it for cinema. <laughs>